This is Passing Judgment, a podcast about politics, the law, and a lot of things in between. I'm your host, Loyal Law School professor Jessica Levinson. And for loyal listeners of the podcast, you know that it is Supreme Court season and that I love the end of the term because a lot of the big cases that we've been talking about and waiting for are about to come out. Now, we have 33 cases left to go for this Supreme Court term. That's close to a record number of cases with only about a month left in the term. Usually the term wraps up end of June, sometimes very beginning of July. So I'm going to highlight just a few of the big cases that we are waiting for, and I'm going to go in the order that they were heard for oral argument. So we're actually going to begin in November, November 8th. There was a big Second Amendment case that was heard, New York State Rifle and Pistol Association. The issue in that case is whether the state of New York can require that people who want to obtain a concealed carry permit show good cause, such as self-defense. It's a little bit more detailed than that, but you have to show really a specific reason that you want that concealed carry permit. Now, the Supreme Court really has not heard a big Second Amendment case for quite a while, really since its big decision in 2008. That was the Heller decision in which it struck down a D.C. law that banned the carrying of unregistered handguns and barred the registration of handguns, but allowed the chief of police to issue one-year licenses for certain handguns. The D.C. law also required that people who legally own a registered firearm had to keep them in a non-functional state, for example, by binding them with trigger locks in the home. Now, the late Justice Antonin Scalia wrote the opinion for the court. He famously concluded, and this was a big decision, that the Second Amendment includes an individual right to bear arms as opposed to a right given only to the militia and that this right includes the ability to own a functional gun in one's home for self-defense. Look, I'm going to pause here and say, obviously, this is a decision that has huge implications. I'm recording this episode in the wake of the mass murder of children in their schools in Texas, and it's difficult to overstate how much the Heller decision has really, I think, limited what states can do. Having said that, there is language in Heller that indicates that some restrictions on guns, the possession of guns, the buying of guns are absolutely permissible. And that brings us to this New York case. The court's decision in the New York case is going to tell us how much power states have to restrict a person's ability to carry a gun outside the home. Now, in addition to New York, California, Delaware, Hawaii, Maryland, Massachusetts, New Jersey, and Rhode Island all place restrictions on the carrying of concealed weapons outside the home. So all of those laws could be on the chopping block depending on what happens in that New York case. So that's big case number one. Now, the second big case is one that we've talked about on the podcast a lot, and that is the abortion case, the Dobbs v. Jackson case. It was argued on December 1st. This is, of course, the opinion in which we already have a leaked draft that indicated that the court will, in fact, 
overturn Roe v. Wade. That means the court will find that there is no constitutionally protected right to obtain an abortion and that it will be left up to the states as to whether or not they want to ban abortion outright. Now, in the Dobbs case, it concerns the constitutionality of Mississippi's law, which bans almost all abortions after 15 weeks of pregnancy. The law is clearly at odds with the current Supreme Court precedent. Uh, That was precedent set almost 30 years ago in a case called Planned Parenthood versus Casey. There, the court said it was upholding the, quote, essential holding of its landmark decision in 1973 in Roe v. Wade. The Casey court held that once a fetus is viable, states can ban abortions, but pre-viability, states can implement restrictions that do not present a quote-unquote undue burden on a woman's ability to obtain an abortion. Now, I think it's pretty clear that because fetal viability typically begins at about 24 weeks of pregnancy, there's just no way to square Mississippi's law, which again is an outright ban on abortion after 15 weeks of pregnancy with the Casey standard. 24 weeks is obviously more than 15 weeks, and a ban is more than an undue burden. The big question, I think, is whether or not the final decision looks like the leaked draft and what this means for other rights. We've talked about this a little bit on the podcast before, but based on how the court writes its decision in Dobbs, and we think that Justice Alito has the majority, that's according to the leaked opinion, what will this mean for other rights? And I think most pressingly, what will it mean for the right to marry and the right for everybody to marry, including same-sex couples? So that's obviously a case we're following closely. The next big case is a case dealing with the First Amendment and the 14th Amendment. The issue in this case is whether a state can tell students that are getting government funds for school that they can't use those funds for religious schools. Another way of phrasing this is if you get government aid, can you only use those funds at sectarian schools? Now, those challenging the law, which says that you can only use the funds at sectarian schools, they say that violates the religion clauses and the equal protection clause. I think this is a case where we need to look to see how much is the court really going to say that any religious objector is going to win, that yes, you can in fact use public funds in religious schools. Now, there's another case dealing with religion coming up in a moment, but first, a big administrative law case. This is a case dealing with the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency. And in a portion of the Clean Air Act, Congress authorized the EPA to issue a number of rules, like rules that could deeply affect the nation's electricity grids, that could have a significant effect on carbon emission reduction. Congress didn't put limits on the EPA's ability to make those rules as long as it considers things like cost, energy requirements, and certain non-air impacts. Now, this is a case that really will tell us about whether or not Congress has the ability to tell executive agencies that they can issue far-reaching rules. So that's a case that is going to have implications for more than just the EPA. Now, two more cases I want to talk about. Next case, 
back to religion. This is a case we've also talked about on the podcast. It's a case dealing with the praying high school football coach. And the question in this case is whether or not a public high school can discipline a football coach for praying at the 50-yard line, at the midline, after games. Now, the threshold question in this case is whether the football coach is in fact engaged in private or public speech. If he's engaged in private speech, then the speech is protected by the First Amendment and specifically by the Free Exercise Clause, which, as the name indicates, protects people in the exercise of their religious beliefs. The next question then becomes whether or not the Establishment Clause, which says that the government can't establish a religion or support religion over non-religion or non-religion over religion, whether or not the Establishment Clause actually requires the school to bar that speech, to bar the high school football coach from praying. That's another case that's going to tell us about the reach of the First Amendment and how much protection this court is going to give to people who say that their religious beliefs are being hampered and their exercise of those religious beliefs are being hampered. Now, finally, I think the last big case we're going to be looking at is dealing with executive authority. And this concerns the so-called remain in Mexico policy that former President Trump implemented. This case deals with whether or not the Department of Homeland Security has to continue implementing President Trump's remain in Mexico policy. And this, of course, required non-citizens that arrive at the southern border to return to Mexico, oftentimes in far, far, far less than ideal circumstances, while they're waiting for their immigration proceedings to continue. And again, this case is going to tell us about the reach of executive authority, and it's going to have implications beyond just the Remain in Mexico policy. So that's what we're looking at for the rest of the Supreme Court term, again, for about another month. And we will bring the resolution of all these decisions to you. We really look forward to talking to you about that. We have some really interesting guests lined up, some members of Congress, some experts in the field of the cases that we've been talking about. And again, please, of course, continue to listen. Please rate, subscribe, and we wish you all a really good day. Thank you.